Welcome, After Buzzers. You're watching the After Show for When They See Us, Part 4. Stay tuned for more. You're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Welcome back for a Part Woo! 4, a final yeah. uh, of this miniseries. Again, my name is Shaka Smith. I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Lexi and uh, Kitty. So thankful hey that you guys are back. Oh, my gosh. All right. We we just watched it, so you know right. for us it's like very raw. You know, uh-huh. hopefully at home maybe you watched it, took a break, and then you know you joined us. And now you're in a good mental spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. but man, that was tough to watch. Wasn't it, it really, yeah. really was. And yeah. we just said in the last review that I, well, I said that I thought that it was super heavy, and that was the heaviest of the three. But this by far. I mean, I left there like, how many times did I boohoo you guys? Yeah. It was very difficult to watch that situation and watch. But again, to the actor's credit, the guy that played Corey was amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that acting was, I, I just, I was blown away by his performance. Yeah, it was really largely Corey's story. Yeah. Was, um, what do you think about the just the dramatic turn of this and the, the mood and the feel of it? Mm. You know, like she said, the acting was phenomenal. The directing was phenomenal, of course. But I was just super shocked by the story. You know, I knew they went to jail, but I never knew how they were able to get out and what kind of came from it at the end. So it was a huge shock for me to see how everything came together. And it was just... The final high of that emotional roller coaster I've been on these last four parts. Yeah, we were, we were really hit hard. You know, yeah. I, I really thought the worst was behind us emotionally. As did and, I. Yeah. As did I. And little did we yeah. know, it came packing a punch. Boy. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good at what she does. Yeah. Uh, again, we have our news, our predictions, and our top three takeaways from this episode. So we'll get into those a little bit later. But let's dig into the topics of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first topic is just Corey's incarceration. Right. Um, we see just it gets from bad to worse to worse, and it seems like every choice he makes ends up in a, in a worse position than he was in before mm-hmm. how did Corey's story affect you differently than the other boys kitty um well it definitely was heavier once again we have to use that word because it's so apropos but to see his growth and not in a good way over the years was very hard to watch i think it's super different because the boys had each other mm-hmm. so even when they didn't physically weren't in the same space they knew that they could get to each other they could write loads or kite i think it's called i've not been to jail but i've <laughs> heard that it's you know letters are called kites and so they had that ability to do whereas with Corey, they didn't know where he was they yeah. just knew that he was still locked up but his mom didn't even know where he was for a while so there was a huge difference how they separated him and made him a grown ass man way before he should he have spent, been thrust into that situation yeah he spent all that time in solitary exactly. at such a young age yeah but he elected to do that after he heard that's what he should should do you know and because snitches and all the rest of the politics of being in jail but the the biggest difference that i took away from that was that it was really heart-wrenching to watch him being made into an adult i mean the very first scene when they get into that to a fight in the cafeteria area and i mean just the look of pure fear and just being terrorized into a corner for him to come from that to chest out, walk in, ready to fight anybody, bring it on. You know what I mean? He had to become that person. And and, <sighs> and, he, was, and he was never safe, you know? Exactly. Because it was always, you know, Somebody, yeah, being whether a strong it, man right, or, but you're always emasculated. You're, all, there was, you're always subject to someone's sort of, you know, power over your body. Right, exactly. Over your mind, over your spirit. Yeah. Everything he did was dictated by someone else yeah. from the time that he hit the door until the time that he finally was able to walk out of it. Yeah, so, and some for me, some of the most heartbreaking scenes came between Corey and his mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah what did you think, Lexi, about the, those scenes and how it may have helped or hurt Corey to, to have that emotional connection? 
The main thing that I took away from Corey's whole story in this episode was that God is real. Amen. Because he kept him. You can see his strength. He became stronger throughout everything he went through. And just the fact that it seemed like every single thing he was going through through his time there led to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And then ultimately led to him being able to get out. Like, what are the odds that he was able to meet this person that led him to meet this person that ultimately led to him, what ended up happening to him at the end? So that butterfly I think, effect. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a testament that God is intentional with the things he does, even mm-hmm. when we don't understand it, even when things seem bad. There's all always a victory at the end and everything aligns to get you to that victory and that's really what i took from this yeah and and when his mental state just was incredible yeah because you you have to think of all the brutality that we see him go through yeah he had to suppress all of that and he gets these moments where he's in parole hearings and he gets these moments where it feels as if he says, you know, I did this, that maybe this will be the time he gets to go. Right. And, and we know the other some of the other boys have gotten out. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I think he was probably charged as an adult. Yeah, but he's the only one charged as an adult. But he gets opportunity, opportunity, but he stays strong. He stays strong. true to himself. Yeah, what did you guys think about him staying, sticking to his guns on I that? I thought that was amazing. And I yeah. thought that create. I mean, that's a wherewithal that I don't know that I would have been able to take. You know yeah. what I mean? After I'm constantly, just like you said, everyone I'm, that he came in contact with, that he met along his way, brought him detriment every mm-hmm. Single except the one guy, except, Robert. except, except the Roberts, Roberts yeah. right? But I mean that he was the anomaly, right? So he's going from person to person, situation to situation, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So for him to be able to cling to the little bit of hope that was presented to him um, through divine intervention or through his mom's changing and her becoming a Christian and giving herself over to God, whatever propelled him, the fact that he was able to hold on to that was amazing. Because I know, this, yeah, I mean, there's no way I, I would have been certain, like, uh huh, yeah. I did it. Okay, yeah. does that get me out? Like, because I was certain he was going to do that for that last one I was mm-hmm. like oh at this point he's yeah. been broken like, I would but be I broken but I mean they, they yeah. lied to him from Jump Street yeah, right so and now, told him you can go home if you do this so now that he's seen the horrors of jail and stuff he's not going to be fooled twice Yeah. so true, he's like true. you're not about to tell me I'm going home if I admit this when not only did I I know that I didn't do it but that I've heard this before yeah. like fool me once you know what I exactly. mean exactly yeah I really felt super strongly about his portrayal of that and I think that he's an amazing human being to have endured so much and still came out on top yeah, yeah and and I think it's interesting to see the things he was able to reflect upon during, during his time in jail, you know, reflecting upon his relationship with his girlfriend, the mm. last person he was with before all this happened, and his relationship with his mom and with his brother, sister, you know, um, Marcy, and all of the things that transpired in his life that led him to that moment. So it was really interesting to see how that reflection kind of made him into the person he ended up becoming. Yeah, and I love that part of the storytelling of it, because it was done completely differently, because mm-hmm. he was in solitary for so long. So he really is in there with these thoughts and dreams mm-hmm. that are and hallucinations doing, and hallucinations doing their best to keep him sane is what's yeah. really happening yeah. right yeah. Is it, that's an excellent point yeah. because when you start to hallucinate obviously you're thinking okay you're losing it now yeah. so you don't have a firm grip on reality yeah. but in re, in retrospect those hallucinations kept him sane kept, kept him going he was able to right because he could go back into his memory and find a little bit of solitude and solace in knowing that these did things did happen people did touch me people did love me my sister brought brother marcy loved me in spite of and i loved her the same way like yeah. and I, all, I, I, that was awesome no i, yeah. I just i really that's a very good point but, and i hadn't that, seen it that way that's what broke me about the episode was watching the what could have been yeah we, we, didn't really, we think about it but he probably was actually going through it every single day because oh, he had yeah. just himself in his what mind what else could he think about yeah so what did you guys think about that sequence the what what the what could have been yeah 
It was deep. It, it kind of fooled me for a minute. I'm not going to front. Ava did a great job. I was like, wait, did he actually? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Did he stay? Because he went, I was right? thinking the same thing because, you know, in the first episode, they said his name wasn't on the list. And I was like, oh, maybe he, he didn't did go. Stay. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too, because no, he came it. up at the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. So I'm still not sure, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Did he leave? Oh, no, no, or he did definitely he left. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> because the very next day when they called Yusuf to come to join them, you know what I mean? He's on the list. Bring this one in. And then he decided to go with them as a friend to you know just be the moral support for him they distinctly said as you said his name is not on the list so yeah. a part of me was just like wait did he stay with her and go but i guess not yeah. um that would i think it was i hate that i keep using the word poignant but it was yeah. it was so poignant it was such a good point of um and getting to see it because again i think we all think it but we mm-hmm. got to see it and you, yeah and you know just you could have been on coney island you could have yeah. been like, and you could have been going through the normal things that young boys go through and it just right. it was heartbreaking to see it you know exactly yeah oh man um well we do have a little bit of a live read so uh hopefully you guys will be joining us and um, giving us some great comments and stars exactly <laughs> we just want to spend this little bit of time to thank you so very much we're doing the best job that we can over here but you obviously are supporting that thank you so much for making us the espn of tv talk it means a great deal to us we love what we do so no matter how you're viewing us whether it's on itunes or on wherever make sure you give us our five stars because we deserve it (laughs) put some words in the comments let us know what you think about what we're doing here because you do matter so being a part of after bus tv means a great deal to us and we just wanted to impart that to you thank you so much for tuning in and be a participant we love it yeah yeah we want you to join our conversation we were actually talking about how because we're pre-taping this and so we're saying man we wish we can go to twitter and you know see our you know people in the life yeah so just know we're not ignoring you we We wish we could bring you in but you know we're doing (laughs) this before it actually airs but we'll be commenting and checking in the comments and everything because yeah. I, I want to talk more about this yeah. we got more time but I know it's not going to be enough but uh-huh. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, we, let's talk about we're going to move a little bit further to the exoneration of these mm-hmm. men uh, just, you know, we talked a little bit about how it came about what did you feel in that moment when you saw those guys on stage and everybody was cheering both of you I'd like to hear well you know I was crying <laughs> <laughs> it felt pretty amazing to have them um, be for lack of a better word exonerated and made and the rest of the world finally see what what Ava was so elo- so eloquently able to show us um that they knew all along so it felt a relief obviously and it it was very empowering um but it was bittersweet because mm-hmm. all I kept thinking was yeah this is great you know what i mean and it's awesome that this happened and that it went down that way but at the end of the day these boys lost their entire lives mm-hmm. like their entire lives yeah. so it was a little difficult to watch because all i kept thinking was this should have been happened yeah. you know what i mean this should never have happened in the first place we should have mm-hmm. this boy should have come forward and made himself known and his crime so that none of this should have even taken place but i mean you know what it could have should have i guess it had to happen in order for them to see the <laughs> way i don't know the biggest thing i felt was i felt proud proud that you know they stuck to their story they never gave in on you know who they were and their innocence they stuck to who they were and to finally see it come to light where everybody can finally see the truth and know that they didn't lie. They didn't do what they felt like they needed to do. They stuck to who they were and it all came out the way it's supposed to. Mm. Yeah, Initially, I wanted to be happy, but I found myself getting so angry, actually. Because the the longer I saw these black and brown people cheering and clapping for just the right to live, Mm -hmm. that's what I was just like, 
we should have to cheer or clap for that. That, right. that should just be how we were living. You know? Exactly. <laughs> that should freedom. be our yeah. reality. But unfortunately, it is not yeah. too often. It's like we have to celebrate the freedom that we should have had in the first place. Yeah. But uh, it, it's crazy. And part of the exoneration, we saw that some people had to question what took place many years before. Right. So we saw the meeting with the detective and we saw the meeting with Linda, of course. <laughs> Linda still digs <laughs> in her heels, of course. Uh, but when we look at it from the other side, and we've tried to do that a little bit, and you and you don't know for a fact, as we know, that these men are innocent. How how do you look at the attitudes of Linda and the te- detective who did not want to really admit there was any wrongdoing? Were those attitudes wrong? Were there any justification for the attitudes at that point in time? I love the question because you're being like almost making them the underdog as if we should be rooting for them somehow. <laughs> That's a great way to pose the question because it just makes me indignant. Like, <laughs> hail the... No, we shouldn't feel anything for these people. Obviously, they have no hearts, you know, and I think it's just so sad in the blatant up um, evidence being pro- given to them and showing them this couldn't have happened because this is what happened. And it all makes sense now. And they both in the face of everything still stuck to their guns. I mean, it speaks volumes about racism, about um, sy- systemic thinking, and the fact that they thought that they were entitled to do what they did, so mm-hmm. there's no backing down now. You're not about to get me 20 years later just because, you know, this person came forward. I don't care what you say. I got rich off of this. I stand by my word. I'm going down. Believe I will go to my grave with this thought process because this is what's been ingrained in me, and I, I can't be, you know, be made to be the the bad guy yeah you know i don't think either of them was willing to well obviously to concede and to to be like i could have possibly been wrong like no i've always been right you know in order for them to succeed in their own minds they had to justify it somehow i just felt like they knew since day one that they that the boys didn't do it oh of course they knew the truth they knew that there was no case they knew that they forced those men to come up with something that wasn't true that it was already set in stone that they thought that so it didn't matter that someone came to them and gave them who actually did it because at the end of the day they knew that they didn't do it exactly yeah, I, I took it a little bit differently at least at least well initially with linda i took it a li- uh, differently because i thought maybe she had, had some sort of history of sexual assault mm-hmm. because she did really seem to be pu- um pushing the victim mm-hmm. but when you see the meeting with uh linda it's clear that or um, nancy it's clear that she just wants to be right because she's been, of course, she's she, been pushing this narrative for so long. For so long, and I love when she pulled out the books and she's like, you, "This is what you've been doing in the interim, and they've right. been in jail." Mm-hmm. I love when she said, um, "So you're just gonna, you know, believe this no matter what?" Like, and she was just like, "I don't know what you're talking about. Believe it." He just he was the sixth man, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. He's the one that got away, and that was to me very much burying her head in the sand, but knowing what she did exactly. But what I thought was interesting was the detective, because the detective didn't seem to have. To me, that kind of thought process, mm-hmm. but he really felt like he was going by the book, and this is how you catch a perp. He doesn't really you know? believe that. He had to, uh, this the same way that Nancy said. Well, not Nancy, but um, you don't um, think you believe Felicity, that? No, well, I didn't there, get the, that impression because there was that moment where they're like forty-two hours, no food, no right, and it didn't even dawn on him that that is not a way you interrogate a suspect. He's like, what's the read standard? He didn't even know. That's my point. That I, I believe that he believed what he said so long ago. Oh yeah, yes. oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Okay, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Because yeah, so I, I really thought that you know. He didn't really see any wrongdoing. And it's crazy yeah. to me that 
you could be in a situation. But again, it's the mentality and you've been so ingrained. And so how do we start to change those mentalities? Mm, And with conversations like this, they have to happen and they have to happen more often. And I cannot underscore enough. We have to go into these conversations and these discussions with an open mind. If we dig our feet in the, I mean, heels in the sand and believe what we believe, no matter what the other person is saying, then it's not a conversation. You're literally just spewing rhetoric back and forth and getting louder and more in, ingrained, you know, standing ground about what you believe as opposed to thinking there actually might be some truth to what they're lending. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm totally guilty of it myself. I love Obama. So yeah. anybody that comes back and is just like, well, Trump is a better president. I'm outraged. But I have to be able to hear what they're saying in order for me to be conscious and move. I mean, if you're teaching yourself the same stuff over and over, you're not learning. You're not uh, growing. Absolutely, you're yeah. not becoming a better you. Yeah. So to be the best version of myself, these kinds of conversations have to happen where I can take a step back and at least listen to what the other person has to say. Absolutely. There's some good conversations to be had. And, and I think uh, in that same vein, there's more conversations that are going to be generated from this, this miniseries about the prison industrial system. I hope so. And so, you know, I was talking about this and saying this is really almost like a part two to the 13th that Ava put out. Mm. You know, that really kind of showed us the, the systemic part of it and how it got us to where we are today. But now we really saw it in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was an interesting follow up to that. And what do you guys think? As almost a follow-up to 13th, what did this say about the prison system? What were those moments that jumped out for you guys about what it is we're dealing with today and what might have affected these boys? Um, Are you saying, like, the the takeaway that I got from it all? Not necessarily a takeaway, but I guess when we're looking at the prison system and how it does kind of equate to modern-day slavery, Mm -hmm. what were those moments for you that that kind of rang true? Well, they definitely rang true, and I was just going to say that— the biggest thing that I that I got from the, that whole situation and the the fact that it is institution that institutionalized thinking continues is that I didn't learn anything new. You know what I mean? I was hoping that I would walk away from this going, oh, okay, I was enlightened about this, that, and the third in a good way. Like maybe the system isn't as bad as it is as it seems, or maybe these people aren't as harmful as they. But it time and time again, it just kind of emphatically puts a stamp on the fact that this is happening and it's not anything different today than it was 19 years ago when this happened or 17 years ago when this happened. You know what I mean? It's a sad state of affairs that we're living the same existence and that it's not looking any better. These films keep getting made, but the change is so slowly. I mean, Jay-Z was successful in closing down Rikers. That is Huge. Yeah. So I shouldn't say there's been no change, obviously. Yeah. But it's just slow, slow moving. Yeah, incremental, it's just a, yeah. Another story for a different day. We hear these stories so much that it's kind of just like normal. Numbing. Yeah. Yes, like time. the new normal. Like you hear it and you're like, well, there goes another one. And it's yeah. sad. You know, you're, you're obviously sad. But at the same time, it's like this happens all the time. Yeah. And I think mm. this was just one example, one huge example of something that we already know was happening, happening. But I'm glad that this was an example where we did see them come out victorious mm-hmm. because there have been instances and still are instances where that's not the case. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, we saw, you know, with Corey, the way he, he was suffering in prison and just by the mere fact that he had the choice of either self-torture, which is solitary mm-hmm. or death, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the responsible guard telling you, those are your options exactly. because I don't want you to die. Mm-hmm. And so that that for me was just very telling about how they do things. And then, of course, keeping them in solitary without, you know, 
making sure you have contact with, with other people and making mm-hmm. sure you move and communication that you're not going crazy. Mm-hmm. And so the, I felt like those instances were so poignant to me. And but for Roberts, but for this, I guess, angel of a guard, he may yes. have not, he may have known no kindness. Such so you blessing. not love the chia pet moment? <laughs> that was so awesome. Yeah. That really just brought tears to my eyes once again. I'm such a crybaby because it just spoke to the humanity yeah. of it all. And, and I, I think about Khalif Browder who committed suicide right. after. And you think... I, Maybe that bit of kindness kept Could him, from, kept him yeah. from thinking that and, way. And we have no idea. But Ugh. And that's the problem with the prison system is that it doesn't lead to these positive outcomes. Exactly. Yeah. So. And there's no going, reform. Yeah. Going back to that guard, I think it, it's still another testament of how you meet certain people for certain reasons. Because if he wouldn't have met him, if he wouldn't have given him the opportunity to go up there and mop just to get out of solitary confinement, he would have never had that run in with the true killer. Yeah. And that may have been the difference between that guy, you know, getting saved and, you know, what happened at the end, because I don't want to spoil it because we're going to talk about it, um, if he never met that guard and that guard wouldn't have sent him up there. So I truly believe that that was orchestrated by God. Oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. It's what it's... I just learned a term the other day, so I'm using it to depth. The butterfly effect. <laughs> it is so... It, but it's accurate, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. this chain of events happened as a result of a higher power, but mm-hmm. to see it all come together and for the greater good of everyone involved is so heartwarming. Yeah, and... and uh, you just kind of beat yourself up because there's so many variables. And you know what already happened. But as you're yeah. watching, you're like, if he just did that one thing differently or right. didn't say that or didn't sign it quite yet, you know, you just kept going over in your head. And that's yeah. what we do in our own lives, yeah. right? Like something bad happens, we get into an accident or something unforeseen happens. And the first thing we do is if I just, yeah. you know what I mean? But if you believe that everything happens for a reason and that it's all preordained anyway, it's just a matter of us really working our way through it, it's a little bit easier to ingest. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I really loved about his moments with the guard was when the guard told him, you know, if this was my son, I would want somebody to be out there to treat, treat him, him like, like a, a human, human being. being. And yeah. it's like, if only people really thought that way, yeah. because all people did was point point their fingers at them, like you see, yeah. you see yeah. these, yeah. point their finger at them and judge them off of something that they heard, and not even taking the time to realize these are children. Yeah. Children. And, I, I and they not, just need to be treated with like a human. Right. And, and on that point, when Linda and Nancy have that meeting, mm-hmm. you know, the way Linda says, these were boys. These, Nancy almost says, or Linda, or Nancy says these were boys, and she's referring to them as boys. When Linda says boys, it's almost with a condescending disdain. Yeah. But these aren't really boys. They are They're really, really animals. They're really animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There was such a, because they said the same thing, yeah. but it was how they uh, yeah. delivered that line. You're absolutely right. And it was that was super powerful, too. The fact that she stood in her own her own truth, which was obviously nothing but a farce yeah. from the beginning, only to be able to save face. Yeah. You knew that that was all of the, what it was all about. It had nothing to do with any kind of hindsight or her being able to tap into like her heart or you know have a, any kind of feelings. Any, even faced with the evidence directly in her face, she kept yeah. denying it. So that was really just about posturing and oh my god, ego times a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I couldn't believe it, but. But again, it just underscored the same theme that we've seen in the last time at least time 20, in 20, 30 years. Exactly. You know, the way they're characterizing black boys and the way they're treating them afterwards. It's, yeah. So, but we got a lot of news. Um, no predictions, <laughs> but we're in our top three takeaways. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go over that right now. Let's do our top three takeaways. 
My biggest takeaway, I kind of touched on already, but the biggest takeaway for me was just keeping your integrity. Mm. Mm. Don't let what anybody tells about you, what anybody says about you, what anybody tries to trick you with, what anybody tries to tell you they can do for you to compromise who you are and your Mm. truth. You got to just stand in who you are. If you know you're innocent, be innocent. If you know you're a certain way and somebody tries to say that you're not, you stand up for yourself and you say, I am not that person. And, you know, I really had to question myself while watching this show, like, there probably would have been a time where I would have just been like, I did it. Get me out of here. Right. I want parole. In the beginning, I would have been like, I'll take the plea. Yeah. And I really had to question myself, like, you know, you can't be so willing to just compromise your truth and yourself for what feels comfortable at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Exactly. And so they sat in their uncomfortability. Yeah. They were grounded in their truth. And that yeah. does mean a lot. Yeah. I took away, I, I mentioned it earlier, so it's kind of repetitive. But um, the thing that I learned the most is that I didn't learn anything. <laughs> um, that this is not something that was new to me. I was hoping upon hope that there was going to be some glimmer of, well, this is really how it goes down but you know oftentimes it's misput you know misappropriated or ill-informed because it goes through the media and they have their slant and they use different language and yada yada but it's the same stuff and that's been going on since the beginning of time it's an institutionalized slavery and it was just very difficult to watch the reality of that come to fruition um for people that didn't deserve any of it it just all I keep thinking of is how many people are locked up right now with this very plight that didn't do it. And, you know and they I don't mean? have someone confessing for them. Exactly. Yeah. That that was heavy. I, that was very hard to digest. I mean, that's all I keep. It just keeps running over and over in my mind. Like how many other people are there yeah. that don't deserve to be there? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess my takeaway from this was actually like Roberts and uh and not Nancy, not Linda. Uh, Robert and Nancy, these were two people that were white, mm-hmm. but they still, regardless of the time and regardless of what was being said, found a way to treat these boys with respect and humanity and love. Right. And I, I really, my takeaway was, A, you can treat someone with humanity, even if you don't believe that, you know, it, it's in their core, you can treat someone with respect, exactly. even if you believe the worst about them. Yeah. And B, I... I my other takeaway is I really want to explore a little bit more about how were they able to get to that point? Right. How do we communicate with other people that aren't in our shoes to make them empathize in a way that lets them continue to see us as human beings, exactly. you know? And though we feel we shouldn't have to like do that or say it, but sometimes we, ha- we have to do it or say it to make sure the work is done. Yeah, exactly. Because so, it's easy to just write people off, so easy to just go that route and be like, oh, they're animals, yeah, right? Yeah. And just take that that narrative, which is... Horrific. Can I give a bonus one? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I think another takeaway I took from this is the importance of knowing your rights and mm-hmm. making sure mm-hmm. we yeah. make sure our children, but especially our young black boys, know their rights. Because I think in the from part one, as we mentioned, you know, Yusuf's mom and just the fact that she did know her rights and know what what was allowed to happen and what wasn't was able to get her son out of there. I think maybe if they knew that at the beginning. The situation could have gone a little bit different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as long as, so we just need to, you know, make sure we know what things are supposed to happen, what things aren't supposed to happen, and make sure that we're prepared because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, we have to do the job because you don't get that legal education when you're five, six, or seven, or eight years mm-hmm. old, but you have to. Because right. that's when. Now we do. Yeah, we're getting yes. arrested at eight. We're getting arrested at nine. Exactly. You know? yeah. Or and, even, um, sorry, even, you know, teaching your young boys when you get pulled over. 
This is what you yeah. do. And at that, that age that yeah. you do that have that talk is yeah. getting younger and younger. Mm-hmm. The yeah. talk used to be code for he's at that age where he's starting to feel himself and want to have sex. Now the talk yeah. is making sure that our black boys know their rights and, and stay what alive. The, and, and stay that's alive. It, yeah. And the, the difference is like between night. I mean, it's night and day because this is not happening in white families. They don't have to have this yeah. talk. This is not even something that runs across their minds. They know that they're. And the, Safe. T- and, the, and the talk is nuanced because it's like, here are your rights. Here's how you stand up for yourself, but mm-hmm. don't get yourself killed. So you got to stand up for your rights, but not so much in a way right, it's that... it's a fine line. Yeah. Much, yeah. Can you imagine having yeah. a... Okay, so do this, but don't do this, but yeah. do this, but not like this in this way. And to, I yeah. mean... I'm 12. Like, I have to think oh, all of this. My mom gave me those conversations at like eight and nine. She That's was like, good. yeah, because she yeah. saw it happening. And she said, yeah, I, it I see it. And so I had to tell you because if you don't, if I don't tell you, you don't know. Exactly. So even though you're six or seven, I got to start to tell you now. Now. Yeah, so you can yeah. you can insert that into your who you are. Yeah. So by the time you're 11 and 12, you already kind of know the deal. And by the and time have... you're driving, it becomes a sixth sense. You don't even think about it. You pull yeah. over, you put your hands up, yeah. period. Or put them on the dash or whatever the case may be. Yeah. To yeah. this day, I drive at night, take off the backwards hat. Don't Right. You don't want no problem. I just don't yeah. need an extra thing. Exactly. Yeah. I got you. So, well, it's been a, a heavy one, but yeah. I think we do got some news. Yeah. Yes, yeah, news and gossip. TV news. Okay, guys, so we may have a Moonlight reunion at the Emmy. So we have our beloved Jarrell Jerome, who played Corey in our um, show today. He may be getting nominated for Best Actor at the Emmys, but he may be going against his co-star from Moonlight, Ashton Sanders. So they're saying that they may have to face off. Um, honestly, and I haven't, they said Ashton may be getting nominated for a movie called Native Son, which came on HBO. I haven't seen it yet, but I can say that Jarrell definitely gave an Emmy winning, or at least oh nominating gosh, yes. performance. He did amazing so it'll be interesting to see who takes it home. Did you read with that book? The reunion, Native Son. I did not. Oh, you have to read that book. I'm surprised they didn't put, like make you read that in high school. They may have. And I- <laughs> <laughs> it might have been on the list. <laughs> it's a great book. James Baldwin's pretty amazing. So it's a classic. I have to check it out. Yeah. yeah, I have to see it because if they're comparing him in that movie to what we saw tonight, then yeah. it has to be amazing. Because yeah, because he was wow. Yeah, Jarrell yeah. really did a great he job. He really did an amazing job. And. Uh, no, you have ahead. more news? Yeah, more news. So, um, <laughs> going back to our amazing actress, we also have the amazing Niecy Nash, who was in our show today. And her new She show, deserves a, a nomination oh, yeah. as well. She, yeah. She yeah, it really was did. great seeing her in a more dramatic role. I know. I yeah. really appreciated that because yeah. it just shows you how versatile she is. And I love how her character came to the circle. Turn on a dime. Yeah, yeah that was pretty uh, awesome. That yeah. she was definitely a smoking, Newport smoking, hell raising, cuss you the hell out uh-huh. type of person. Came back around and was like, I love the Lord. <laughs> love your enemies. <laughs> this is a good thing. We're going to be all right. That was, that was a beautiful, beautiful moment, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was. But now we're going to see her premiering on June 9th in season three of Claw. It's oh, they a got completely different, different role <laughs> yeah. than this one. So it'll be interesting to watch her in that role. So make sure you tune in on June 9th. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> oh, man. So we we had such a great, a great story here. Yeah. Um, this whole thing has been amazing. Uh, Corey's story in particular um, was really poignant. And so and that really kind of encapsulated, obviously, all of this pat this last episode of all the four. Episode, of all the four episodes, which boy resonated more with you and why? Mm, that's a great question. I mm. guess I think Tron resonated with me the most only because 
again, being a mother of a black boy, I just, his deliciousness, he was such a cutie pie. He was the smallest of them all. It just broke my heart oh, to Kevin, watch him go. Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. What did I call him, Tron? Yeah. Kevin, I apologize, was amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, resonate. I don't know that it resonated because thank God, knock on wood, I've not had any problems like that with the police and my son. But, I mean, it, it spoke to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I definitely, my heart was wrenching looking at this little baby boy having to go through so much unnecessarily. Mine was definitely Corey just because... He could have not been in the situation. He ended up in that situation because he was looking out for his friend. Right. And even after, you know, that situation being the reason he ended up going through what he went through, when he saw Yusuf, it was like, that's still my brother. That's still my friend. He still asked about him in jail. And once again, another looking at myself and questioning if I was in that same situation there may have been a time where I kind of felt like an anger towards him because even though I decided to go there you still put me in this situation Mm -hmm. but the fact that you know he still looked at him as his brother as his friend and the fact that he even went just to kind of be there for him and to protect him and to look out for him I thought was just a huge thing and I really yeah because he could have been super resentful of Mm -hmm. that oh yeah yeah and turn that on a a completely different route yeah Yeah. I I think Corey because I you know I worked in the jails and so I Mm. I saw the condition and it, it it was really emotional to see that here this was this young boy and having to deal with that, you right. know. Because obviously I was an adult working in the jail, and I was, and it was perturbing for me. And I and mm-hmm. I, I was happy to leave every Friday of because course. you know, oh okay, it's a couple of days off. But and to know that you're living there and you can't leave, and then you're there with the other pop, the, the and other it's inmates, filthy and the rats are on your yeah. bed, and the food is slop, yeah. and everybody's whooping your ass every it, day. I mean, I can't. I, I just, I, I, I'm still shocked he's alive today. It's, it's amazing. Right. Yeah. He made it through. And so we're gonna try to finish on a happier note. So okay. If you could nominate someone for the Emmy, um, which one character? I'm not gonna let you get two or three. Uh, one character. You gotta get one. Because there were some heavy hitters in this miniseries. Only one? One character. You can do an honorable mention, but one character's got to get you. We got to give it to Corey. I got to give it to Corey. I want to give it to somebody else because I just gave it to Corey. I would give it to Niecy Nash. (laughs) She did. Because she did amazing. And, you know, as we mentioned before, we don't really see her in that type of role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to see her completely, you know, change around what she normally does Mm -hmm. was very good to see. I like that part, too. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um... I'm going with Corey only because his we just saw him and that standout performance was just so memorable. Like I'll never forget. I mean, he got butt naked, y'all. Like he <laughs> really stripped down emotionally, physically, and the point that you made about having uh, make Ava making sure that there were people on the Counselors, set, right, yeah. to be able to aid them in whatever they went through. I mean, I can only imagine at the beginning of that scene where he goes in and all this time he's been quiet. You know, he was withdrawn. I just want to make everybody else happy, Mom. I'm gonna find a place. I'm gonna make it right. I'm, I'm gonna do this for you. You, I'm gonna buy you candy bars just trying to satiate everybody the time that he was putting back in the cell and he just the f word f word f word he was so upset I mean can you imagine how you had to psych yourself up before doing that scene like yeah. I can just see Ava probably having like a little come to Jesus meeting with him like all right you ready you know yeah. this is gonna take everything out of you or but, you get so deep and you're like you don't know how to get out of it too That's right like he might have encompassed that role to the point where yeah. he couldn't shake it that's a lot yeah because method actors do that that right? happened yeah. to Heath Ledger when he played the Joker yeah, yeah. where he was the Joker 24 mm-hmm. 7 yeah, yeah. But he killed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and even well, Michael yeah. Jordan said he had to go to therapy after he played Killmonger. Right. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. All these guys might need to go to therapy because this yeah. was an intense thing. Intense. But uh, I would say I, I actually really love Felicity Huffman's performance. Her performance, I because 
you really felt you didn't like Linda Fish. Yeah, yeah. Not, I, I like hate her, her right now. Yeah, exactly. Not like, and you, you, you know, right now she is sort of the name of the day, Felicity Huffman, in terms right. of the news. Mm-hmm. But and you really did forget it was her, and you were like, I do not like this prosecutor. Yeah. And I thought she played it so perfectly. Very, she really indignant when the girl took the book. Said, "Thank you for buying the book." Exactly. Yeah, Thanks for that. She just yeah. dug in her heels. So I, performance-wise, I thought she was really, really great. She was. You're absolutely right. Especially yeah. like even in the beginning where. For two seconds, she gave the boys the benefit of the doubt. As soon as she decided they were guilty, that was it. Boom. She never looked back. She never apologized for it. She 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 didn't make any excuses. She was like, if this doesn't work, then we'll make it work. Because yeah. this is what I believe now. Yeah. And that was pretty powerful. And, and you saw the character and you believed that character. Exactly. Just like, yeah. The so one it. who really needs the Emmy, though, is Miss Ava DuVernay. Because yes. she did her thing on this. this. And at the end uh. of the day, it takes a really good director to bring that <laughs> yes. out of those actors. Spirit and yes. she really did her she thing She did this. her thing. The shots were so amazing. Yes. I love the coloration yeah. that she used. Everything about this from start to finish was so well done. So, yeah, just from the, the time sequences, the way they would age the boys from the yes. phone calls. And then, yeah, of course, the, the dream sequences when he was in solitary, that was mm-hmm. beautiful, too. Yeah, yeah. I thought so, all of it was super, once again, poignant. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was killing it right now. She's working with the best and she's producing the best. Yeah, so. she d- deserves yeah. every accolade she gets. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Well, guys, I think that's it. We uh, made it to the end. Yes, yeah, we did it. Yes, I, I, I'm Ooh. so thankful to have you guys here for support. We're going to yes. be talking about this after the show, after uh-huh. the show, after of the course. show. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, again, my name is Shaka Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. My name is Kitty Kaboom. You can find me on IG as Kitty Kaboom and on Facebook as Kitty Kali and on Twitter as Kitty Meow. And I'm Alexis. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Lexi Ferris. And I am so excited for you all to watch this. So make sure you keep watching. Have a good one. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.